Well, good day. We have daylight now. We're moving right on in, and uh, kind of nice to start with daylight. We'll probably do in a few more weeks, and then we'll be leaving here, and it'll be daylight. But we are at a pinnacle. Seems like every week we uh, start at, we're at another high point. When you're in Ephesians, how can you not be, right? I think we're uh, face-to-face with just super high doctrine. And Paul is repeating the same words in verses 11 and 12, basically, as he was back in verse 4 and 5, or at least the same thought, not exactly the same word for word, but he was giving a general view of uh, God's purpose, and now he's giving a view of God's purpose from uh, an eternal standpoint, and the scheme is applied to us as he brings uh, us into play. And he's getting ready to go into a section, verse 13 and 14, which is dealing with the Holy Spirit. And uh, where we come into play is that we believe. But we believe because the Holy Spirit comes in and changes our life. But anyway, God is taking that original harmony that he once had, as far as the world is concerned, the universe. We know that that harmony had been broken. And uh, as we looked in verse 10, it said that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. Then we go on to verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. And so again, it's all about God's glory. Verse 10 unfolded God's great eternal purpose that He's always had. And verse 11 then comes in and brings in a little bit more detail, saying some of the same things that He said before, but He brings out a little bit more with it. I think Paul, by repeating some of these same kind of thoughts, is just astounded. I think that he is just floored by what God has given in his great purpose. And as he thinks about God's way of restoring uh, the universe and unity uh, back, is just incredible. And then it's to produce Christians, people who are chosen by him to be like his son, and one day we'll see him as he is and be like him in, in their glory. So you look at this text, and it's really for believers. This is high doctrine. This is not necessarily a, an evangelistic message that we talk here, even though you could present this and say, wouldn't you like to be a part of this grand scheme? But it'd be hard to understand without uh, being a believer and being enlightened having the Holy Spirit to be able to show you these things. If you don't get excited about these things that that Paul is talking about here in Ephesians 1, if you don't get excited about that, I don't think you'll be excited about anything. So, (laughs) this is a great, great text. Super text. And uh, by the Holy Spirit, we can understand some of these great, high things. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for uh, the time that we have. The time to glorify you, to desire to honor you as we look at your word tonight. And we just pray for the unction of the Holy Spirit who is 
gladly, always willing and open to show us more truths about you that we would be astounded like Paul was whenever he thought about the great truths that you had given to him and as he wrote them down that, uh, Lord, we would be just knocked out by your absolute truths and uh, that they would make an impact on our lives and the way that we live and the way that we uh, represent you here in this world. And so we look for the uh, uh, Holy Spirit to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I say, this is an incredible chapter, this chapter one, and we uh, just move right on ahead. We're plodding. We're just plodding along <laughs> as we go into uh, another great thought. And our verse 11, it starts off with two words, in Him, and verse 10, in my version, ended with in Him. So, in Him, also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined, those are incredible words, aren't they? Him, inheritance, predestined, according to the purpose, there's another big word, of Him who works, another big word, all things, another one, according to the counsel of His will. Just that verse itself is just loaded with uh, tremendous thought. Christ is the source. And we have blessings. And we have blessings that exceed what we can even imagine. To be a Christian means to have, first of all, a new relationship to Christ. That in itself should stagger us. This this whole section I think about this. Just to be thinking about that we are in Christ, in Him. In Him. He's the very source of everything that we have. To be related to Christ means to get what he has to be to share with what he has. I don't know how to put this. Um, to be apart from Christ would mean that the ultimate and the eternal thing a person can receive from God is condemnation, ultimately. But if it's the other way around, if it be a believer, he gets everything in the universe. It's all or nothing in the sense of these uh, eternal things that that God has for us. Uh, A mighty miracle of God, uh, when you think about it, that every believer is in Christ, and they have been taken to the cross. They were nailed to the cross, in a sense, and then died with Christ, and was buried with Christ, and then came alive with Christ when He resurrected. Now, that's a mystery. I don't know how you can humanly even understand that whole thought, but it means that everything is in Him. Uh, Romans 6 talks about that thought about being um, buried with Him in baptism and then having uh, baptized in right into death and then coming alive in Him. Somehow, um, we were in Him whenever He did this action and to be raised up with Him in new life. Although we didn't appear on the scene and we were never existing, but as far as in God's eyes, He sees us as we died in Christ and then were brought alive. It's an incredible thought to be thinking, in Christ. What's this all about? Look back in verse 1. 
And you, and you see this emphasis constantly through Paul's epistles. Ephesians here, uh, the second phrase in verse 1, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, they're in the world, in Ephesus, but something's better. They are in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're in Christ Jesus. They're, in, they're placed in Him. Uh, take another verse. Verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that all starts with, all the blessings in Him. But who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places where? In Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before Him in love. So there again, in Christ, this all happened. Verse 6, verse 7, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. That's how God the Father sees us in the Beloved, in Christ. Verse 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood. Uh, Verse 10, which we looked at last week, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times He might gather together in one all things in Christ. That's all things. Both which are in heaven and on which are on earth in Him. And then we get the phrase in verse 11, in Him we've obtained this inheritance. So just in Ephesians, in Christ, we are placed into Him. This would be considered to be uh, our identification. People are saying, I just don't know who I am. Always trying to find out who they are. Well, a Christian finds his esteem in Christ. He's identified with Christ. That's where our esteem is at. Uh, There's nothing about myself to be esteeming. (laughs) But if I look at Christ, then I see the true reality and and the very basis, the very foundation. Go to uh, Romans chapter 6. That's what I was alluding to uh, just a few minutes ago. How we were placed into Christ. Starting in verse 3. Or do you not know? Don't you like the way he starts off with it? Don't you know? Don't you know this? <laughs> that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Don't you know that? Oh, that's an incredible thought, Paul. Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of His death, that's the key there, the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. Romans, you could keep on going, couldn't we? But the idea here is in Christ. And that's that's how it happened. 
and what what he did. Look in First Corinthians six seventeen. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Joined to the Lord. United with him. In him. Him in us. Um well, it takes a total transformation. We were totally separate from him, and at one time then he brings us in uh to the very person of Christ. So by a mighty miracle of God, every believer has has died to the old life, been brought into the person of Christ, raised with him, having new life. And then if you kind of uh get that thought of where Ephesians is heading to and especially in I think of uh, chapter chapter three. I'm not going to turn there right at the moment, but and, and in chapter two. Especially chapter two too. Uh where you have this illustration of all the peoples, Jew, Gentile, being brought into one body, into Christ, quite a mystery there, people who would have hated each other. The Jews absolutely hated Gentiles. The Jews had the law. They had the one true God. All the other people were uh, terrible, despicable sinners. They don't deserve anything. The Gentiles had their philosophy and they looked down upon the Jews and, and their religion and everything they were all about. So, Jew and Gentile, uh, two separate people. And then you look in chapter 3 of Ephesians and Paul says these two people come in as one into Christ. It says in verse 12, in whom we have boldness, the, whole, the, the whom there is Christ Jesus our Lord, and access with confidence through faith in Him. Now, the mystery is um, is that the Gentiles are getting the gospel message, and they're coming in to this body. Um, keep reading on, verse 13. Therefore I ask you that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. Um, verse 19. He wants them to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That great mystery is uh, the mystery has been revealed in, in the sense that now you have one body together. There was that middle wall of partition. Chapter 2 talks about that. The wall was broken down. Uh, the ones that uh, they, they hated each other, they had their theories for life and the afterlife, the Greeks and the, and the Jews, and they had their own uh, different uh, theologies on that. They built the walls. They put up the curtains. And, of course, you think today of, you've heard of the Iron Curtain. Um, what other kind of curtains are there? Dividing dividing walls, right, between people. Um, what was it that brought Paul and the Ephesians together? Who were the Ephesians originally? The Ephesians basically are Gentiles, right, out there in Ephesus. They're, they're Greeks, absolute Greeks. And Paul is going to this city, and he starts a church there, pastors a church there for a while, and for the most part, most of them are Gentiles. There are Jews there. But for the most part, it's Gentiles. And they're together. They're together as one. Incredible thought. Christ is the answer. Only Christ could have done that. Put two together like that to, to meet and have 
eternal values. So anyway, the basis is Christ. So, back to our Ephesians. That's in Him. Shortened version. We have obtained what? An inheritance. Our inheritance with Christ, I think, is yet another one of those magnificent, amazing blessings that have been given to us. The things that the Father has blessed us with in the Son. And it's inheritance. In Christ, we inherit every promise that God has ever made. 2 Corinthians one twenty. For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God are in who? Christ. And all those promises are yes. We get in on all of God's promises. That's quite awesome. Because we're in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained a stake in the whole creation of God. You guys remember when we were in Romans and we went through the first three chapters and it seemed like it took forever and it was talking about the depravity of man and it it just kept taking us lower and lower and lower. It was, you know, if you didn't know the truth and you just kept hearing this bad news, it would it would be like, how much more can I take? But you know the rest of the book, right? Well, in Ephesians, it's kind of the other way around here in this first chapter, isn't it? We are looking at blessings that just seem to not end. It just goes on and on with what uh, God is promising. We are heirs of all the blessings. We will be uh, an inheritor. We will take that in. Um, By the way, whenever he says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, let's get the tense of this right. In the Greek, it means... To to, to a Greek person, it meant this. To be so certain it cannot fail in any way. That's the tense of this, uh, in this one word, inheritance, obtained an inheritance. Gets a little tricky here of how you want to interpret this. It can go two ways. And either way, they're right. They're right biblically. One way is that the inheritance is that we belong to God. We uh, Jesus Christ gets us. The Father gave his elect to the Son. And so we belong to him. And so in the Greek structure it can mean that. And I have no theological argument with that at all. It can definitely mean that. Another meaning is I think the way that we're going to go with it and the way that I'm probably convinced. But like I say, it doesn't matter. Uh, We can't be wrong with this because they're both right. The other one is that we get an inheritance that Christ has. 
we are co-heirs, and we know scripturally there is nothing wrong in that. And we'll go to some passages to to support that. But uh, this whole idea of this aorist passive indicative, I had to go look at that. Aorist passive indicative is saying it's already happened as far as God is concerned. To us, <laughs> we we can't wait. And the more I looked at this, I, I was praying before we started tonight, and I was... I was just trying to think of how can I be able to bring forth what this means other than just read it, but to bring some kind of more light in the sense of how can this really get us excited about what has happened and what we're waiting for. I can't wait until the eternal state happens. I just, are you that way in a sense? I mean, I think that's good, but I think it's also good to say, okay, but I'm torn because I still have my duty to do here because I think Paul was stating it that way. But to be honest with you, I wouldn't mind if he said, okay, it's time to start it now. That would be just fine. I'm not going to argue. <laughs> this. I mean, what what's uh, waiting for us is incredible. It, so what he's saying, it's just as certain as if it already happened. Because in God's eyes, He's not bound by time. Now let's let's look at some passages. First Peter one. These verses are not strange. Not anything you haven't read before many many times. But again, it just should uh, remind us of of really what's going on here. What has gone on. Blessed be the God. First Peter one three, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who, according to His, look at this, abundant mercy has begotten us again. Well, that's born again. Cause us to be born again. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here we go. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, like in a sense it has your name on it, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You already have salvation, right? But there's a salvation that is yet to come. That's the glorification. We will be ultimately saved. We are saved. We are kept by Him. This is a, a eternal security right here too, isn't it? We are kept by the very power of God. That's a power word. Through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed. It's going to be unveiled in the last time. Curtains are going to be taken back and we're going to be able to see things we cannot even fathom right now. They're all waiting right there. As far as God is concerned, He's given those to us. As far as God is concerned in Romans 8, we have already been glorified. In our time, it has not happened. But it's just as good as that. We we are guaranteed. These are promises that are just uh, absolutely guaranteed. Second Peter. That was First Peter, right? This is going to be Second Peter. This is going to be chapter 1 also. And the same verses, 3 and 4. Is that pretty easy? Uh, Pick it up, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. You like that? 
Aren't those great right there? I mean, if we had nothing else to know, right there would be good, wouldn't it? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Here we go. As His divine power has given to us. You ready for this? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The things in the world are all going to burn up. That's the point. If we could only really believe this, we do, but we don't. (laughs) Help our unbelief, right? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Oh, to grasp what God has for us. He's given to us right now. We have everything we need to live in this life right now. (laughs) And so often we get so caught up in all the things that we don't have or the things that we think we'd like to have. And then you see verses like this. And boy, does it ever put things in perspective. What's that? Yeah. It's a down day. It's been cloudy. Oh, you got it. Man, my gosh. Was Saturday the most dreary day you've ever seen? It was. Okay. Am I all right with that? Okay, thank you. You know, look at the transformation of this bumbling, put-in-mouth fisherman. Oh, good. To speak this way and to proclaim these things. This is Was that it? It isn't the same person. I mean... That's you know. the guy that's filled Absolutely. with the fullness of God. Yeah. Mm. He is filled with the Holy Spirit whenever he writes this. Yeah. That's a transformation. That is a total transformation. He understood a little bit of this that he wrote. But I'm sure he couldn't wait either. <laughs> now go back to Ephesians 1.3. Let's read this again. Read many times. Blessed be the God and Father. It all starts there, doesn't it? Boy, praise Him. Bless God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, His Father of Him, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ. Everything's about Him. Oh, my. All things belong to Christ. We're in Christ. We're identified with Him. And all things belong to us. How can this be? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 22 and 23. You really want some Christ esteem? This is where it's at. Boy, if the psychologist could only bring this kind of good news to people that come in there saying they have low self-esteem. But what if they're not elect? <laughs> well, they don't have these things. Right. You can't because, promise these right. things. That's what, I'm, you know, that's what I'm saying. Is that When you start to talk to somebody, I mean, if I may back up a little bit to the Second Peter yeah. passage, because I, I took offense at the fisherman comment. 
Well, I mean, hey, did he say dumb fishermen? Uh, you know, that you may be partakers of the divine nature. I mean, that's some pretty heavy stuff there. That is real heavy. And if one wasn't careful, you could almost go into some dangerous thoughts with that, which some people do, and they, they, they teach the manifested little God, sons of God theory, which is really bantered about out there. But uh, he's not saying we're going to be little gods, but he's saying that we are partaking uh, of the, very, the nature of God in the sense that we're, we're going to be like Christ, totally without sin, all the attributes that Christ has and as far as the communicable attributes are concerned are going to be manifested in our lives. Uh, even right now, some of that is there because we have the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't always glow. doesn't always shine. But, and, but, but one of those parts of that divine nature that does manifest itself in us is the ability to love where as an unsafe person, we would not be able to love. I like that. Because even as a saved person, sometimes it's difficult to love. No, wait. A lot of times, most of the times, it's difficult to love. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a test. Especially when you're a fisherman. But... I wasn't even thinking of you, Bill. Now that you bring that up. I don't know that you bring it up. I'm not. Oh, I'm bubbling, all right. That's good, though. Because that's hard to do. I mean... The, the the love that Christ is, Christ is love, God is love, and when we're in Christ, we now have that love which exceeded. Uh, Jesus said, I give you, uh, no, uh, John said in the book of 1 John that I give you an old commandment, because in the old commandment it says to do what? To love God, love your neighbor. And he says, I'm not teaching you anything new, but I give you a new commandment to love others. He said, that's not new, but it's new in one sense because now we have Christ. And when you have Christ, it now takes on a new reality in that we can manifest that love like it hadn't been before. Because Christ has been here. Christ is now in our lives. And uh, via the Holy Spirit, we... uh, we have that great uh, opportunity to serve God in love in a more profound way. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 22, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, well, that's some pretty big names. Uh, he's dropping some names there, isn't he? <laughs> Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours. And you are Christ's. You belong to Christ. And Christ is God's Father, the Son, His children. And all things are ours. I, it's beyond me. I, I'm staggered. I, I, can't, I, I don't get it all. <laughs> Just blown away by that. Romans 8, 17. This is nothing new. We've heard this before, but just kind of ponder on it. The next time we think about complaining, <laughs> what do we really have to complain about? Who are we complaining? Yeah. Who are we complaining to? And about? Oh, yeah, here's the catch. In Romans, there's the catch right there. 
<laughs> that were children? No, the very tail end there. Yes. 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 Oh. Yeah, that <laughs> well, provided. If children, then heirs. Yeah. If you really are Christians, you are heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, indeed, we suffer. You show that you're a Christian if you have some suffering. With Him, that we may also be glorified together. God has got a balance. There's the suffering. Here's the glory. And then He goes on to talk about that. We uh, we eagerly wait for that. I mean, are you guys eagerly awaiting for the time that Christ comes back? You know what? We are joint heirs. And if we were to be stripped of everything here while we live in this world, if everything was to be taken from us, they can't take Christ, can they? Our inheritance is absolutely guaranteed. We'll never lose that. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It is waiting there for us as we use some of that now, our every conceivable need is provided by God's grace. Everything that we have. Gracious provision in accordance with His divine great promises. They're all there. Um, what are we promised? We are promised... I'm going I'm to read these. Peace, love, grace, wisdom eternal life, victory, strength, guidance, power, mercy, forgiveness, righteousness, truth, fellowship with God, spiritual discernment, heaven, eternal riches, glory. Almost all of those we already have. Peace, love, grace, wisdom, eternal life victory, strength, all of those, we wait for the the rest of the riches that we haven't seen and glory. We haven't experienced that glory yet of ourselves. We're not glorious. Christ is. God is. But one day we'll have glorified bodies. We look for that. But, but all those things we have right now. And, wow, we are identified with the King of the universe, Jesus Christ. Our lives should be identified with His life. So you go back to uh, to First John. I'm just talking about First John, uh, talking about um, love there. Talking about the ones who keep His word, and if we keep His word, we know that we're in Him. That is a uh, a test for us if uh, one wanted to check to see if they were a Christian. Well, do you have love for your brother? And we know we're in Him if we truly love God. First huh? John 2, verse 6. He who says he abides in Him. There we go. There's the in Him. If you say you're in Christ, ought Himself also to walk, wow, just as He walked. 
So you look at all those blessings and you can say, why wouldn't I want to walk with him for the abundant of mercies and grace and love he's given to me? Why wouldn't I want to do that? Knowing what is in store, what is yet to come is even better and better and better. It never comes to the culmination where it ends and say, okay, that's it. It just keeps getting better. And he says, now, wouldn't you want to walk like he walked? So, it's talking about our lies. We see doctrine. Now he says, here's, here's what we do with this because of this inheritance. And that's uh, what John brings forth there. The inheritance. Incredible? Does it almost make you stagger? It should. <laughs> to think of this. All the stuff, all the goodies that we've bought, enjoyed in our lives, and they, those things pass on. They just get old and... Right away, no good anymore. You get something else new. You know, the more and more you get closer to Christ, (laughs) the less those things really matter. Matter of fact, it's almost like I don't care about any of that other stuff anymore. It really doesn't drive me. All I want to do is just know the Lord more. I just want more of Him and less of me and less of my stuff, all the things the world has to offer, I have no need for that because I have something so much better. That's dying. That's a constant dying to this uh, to this self and world. So the next one, we, we look at the inheritance in verse 11. Ephesians there. Would you ever think about going back to the way it was? <laughs> no way. There is not... I mean, that's a no-brainer. There is... I mean, none of us. None of us here would even think about it. Even think about it. Yeah, Bob. Just, just, Bob does. Bob wants to go I'm back to it. No. <laughs> no way. No way. I, I, was, I was thinking about something else here. Um, a couple of things came to uh, my thoughts here, um, walking with God, you know, I went back into Genesis there looking uh, at Enoch. He walked with God 300 years, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, and then God took him. But um, I heard uh, one preacher um, use uh, kind of a comparison. Enoch is the church. Enoch represents the church, um, you know, in that. That's 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 what we're, we should be with God, you know, walking with Him. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say was um, uh, in this verse here in Ephesians, um, verse, uh, let's see, chapter one, four, where, uh, it says uh, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. And then I, I was thinking about Abraham in, I think it's Genesis 17, when God first uh, makes his covenant with Abram, Abram at the time. He was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you. And that's why he's great with so and so on. And that's when he changes his name to Abraham. But... Um, just that. Walk before me and be blameless. You know, that he's been saying that to his people for a long time. Walk. 
walk before me. And walk blameless. with him. Walk before him. Walk with him. And, you know, holy and blameless is, is uh, mentioned right there. You mentioned it in John, you know, First John, with, uh, you know, walking the walk. Yeah, that's... And it's all the same message, what he wants for us. He wants the best for us, but this is our part to, you know, trust and obey and Right there with him, and, and all of his. That's our, that's our actions, our life. Uh, that's well, how people know, the world knows, and we even ourselves know that we have him. You know, that he's yeah, that's why uh, John John said it that way. Yeah. Kind of like you were saying about how you can give up all this other stuff the closer you get. Don't. It's not a, a big thing anymore. It's that we can use the things that God has given us here and enjoy. You know, I mean, that's that's fine. But it's not like our life. We know we we'd drop it in a moment uh, for anything that He'd want to do, like take us with Him, uh, like Enoch. Enoch just kept on walking until he just walked off the face of the earth. <laughs> Didn't even die. Just walked with the Lord. <laughs> Way to go! Three hundred years. Ephesians 4.1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling. After all those three chapters of Ephesians, as we've been built up and built up. Have you noticed Ephesians 1 just builds you up entirely? And, and you get to see the proper perspective of who you really are? And then in 4, he says, oh, by the way, while you're here, about that calling that you have, now you walk worthy of that. <laughs> you, you know, so it's, it's putting it into action. Uh, make that identify with that. Well, our Ephesians 1.11 says, In Him also we have obtained an inheritance. And here's that big word here, predestined. That's the word people like to avoid today. And it's one of the juiciest words in all the Bible. Because it, it is all a part of His great plan, which He started long before us. It means to predetermine and it's not because of our actions and not because he saw us, but because of his great plan. William Hendrickson has a great thought on this phrase right here, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Not our will. His will. Not our free will, but his will. Listen to what William Hendrickson says here. This is really good. I wish I could have put it down on your outlines where you could keep it. If you want it later, you can. Um, I'll... I'll write it out for you. But he says this, Neither fate nor human merit determines our destiny. That's the first sentence. Neither fate, just just by chance, or our human merit, because we came in and figured in on somehow because of our great goodness, our great faith or whatever. The benevolent purpose, it's like that, benevolent purpose, that we should be holy and blameless, which you just read there in verse 4. Sons of God, that you find in verse 5, destined to glorify Him forever, is fixed. It's already been determined. Okay? Being part of a larger universe-embracing plan. This is much bigger plan than just us. And our salvation. Not only did God make this plan that includes absolutely all things that ever take place in heaven, on earth, 
and in hell, in the past, in the present, and in the future, pertaining to believers and unbelievers, to angels and to devils. He's been in control of all of that, hasn't he? To the physical as well as the spiritual energies and units of existence, both large and small, He also wholly carries it out, W-H-O-L-L-Y, in every aspect, carries it out. He not only plans it out, but he carries it out. His providence in time, space and matter, is as comprehensive as his decree from eternity. He carries it out. That's His providence. He works this out in the time that humans live. And it's all in accordance with the decree that He had made before the foundation of the world. That's how deep this Ephesians book gets. We've read verse 4, verse 5, 6, all building on up to where we're at right here when He repeats the word predestined. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined. How do we get the inheritance? It was because, not of our merits, was it? But all because of Him, His plan, His counsel, His purpose, His good will. God gets glorified. We don't. I'm thankful for that. Now go to Romans 8, 29. And we go to that grand word again. Verse verse 28 really makes sense now. It really makes sense. Most Christians I know love to claim verse 28. And they should. But after looking at Ephesians 1, see if verse 28 stands out even more than ever. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose for whom He foreknew, for the ones that He had a relationship with in the sense that He intimately knew us before we were ever created. He also predestined to predetermine, to set forth a plan, praharizo, to set the boundaries, the limits, to set it down. What was the reason to be conformed to the image of His Son? What's even more so than that? The next phrase, that He might be the firstborn or the preeminent among many brethren. Jesus was never born again, was He? But he's the firstborn in that, as far as the inheritor is concerned, he is the preeminent one. The firstborn was always the one that was considered to get the double blessing. Well, Christ, amongst us as being believers, brothers with Christ, are linked to him, but he's the preeminent one. Moreover, whom he predestined, those who he predetermined in the past tense, These he also called, that's in time and space, 
And that's what happened to you as you became believers. He called you. Those ones He called, what are they? They are justified. They're declared righteous. And the ones who are justified, He also what? Glorified. There is no way that one can ever lose their salvation because it was already planned. It was then that it came into time. You were called. Not only were you called, but you're justified, declared right before God. And not only that, but as far as God is concerned, you are glorified. We haven't even been glorified yet, but God says we're glorified. That means it's a done deal. It's all His deal. The idea of salvation is from eternity past, eternity future. It's done. It's all by God. He gets the glory. And verse 31 through 39 explains that. And he gives details uh, on that aspect. So, he cannot condemn his own children that he chose for the foundation. Much of the Christian realm, if you go by denominations and their beliefs, their creeds, believe you can lose salvation. That's where we're at today in in the Protestant realm today. Many of them believe in a loss of salvation. What does that do to God's plan? I think it's a spit in His face. It's saying, yeah, He has a great plan, but people can just walk out of that if they want. Just like they can walk in it the way that they want. They do, they were never in it. If well, if they, if they if their lives have not been changed, if Christ has not changed them, they they might make professions, but that's that's the thing to really realize. If they lost it, they never had it. They never were believers. And see, it's much more than just making a profession of faith. It goes much further beyond this, back into eternity past, into eternity future. It's all about God. We in this generation and in in the last 200 years have bought a man-centered gospel and it does not honor God and His eternal purpose. You don't hear teaching on the eternal purpose of God. You don't hear that kind of teaching at all. It's about come forward, walk the aisle. Everything is centered on somebody making a decision at the end of that message. Huh? God's pretty much here to make us happy. Yeah. It's about you. It's not about God's glory. It's not. In Ephesians one, what when we've when we've looked here, even though it shows in verse three we have every spiritual blessing, what is it really focusing on here? It's God the Father. It's God the Son. Thirteen and fourteen. God the Holy Spirit. The whole triune God. It's all about His glory. That is where the preaching and the teaching needs to be. Not on our own felt needs or how our lives have to be changed. That has that can be there. Application is really good, but that's not the focus of the attention. Every scripture that I look at is always the focus on Jesus Christ and who He is and what His plan is. I don't read it in the way of, here's how this can make me do better. That is going to come. I mean, granted, yes, we want to walk. We just saw those verses there. We do not ignore sanctification. But what do we use first? We see the greatness of who God is constantly. 
And that's the way I think Scripture has to be taught and, and preached rather than our own performance. That is where the gospel is gotten. It's almost you, like we're stuck, um, the churches are, are stuck in a, a cycle of the gospel of this, the gospel of that, the gospel of me, the gospel of you, and they don't get onto the doctrines and the, the you know, understanding of the knowledge of God and all these things. The knowledge of God. It's 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 my gospel. It's your gospel. It's, it's you know it, it's it's like we don't get stuck from or unstuck from you know we want it to be here now on this earth you know the hope of heaven we don't hear a lot about that either. Yeah, the the other thing that can tend to be missing. I mean, I hear. A lot that that isn't missing, but when you hear some of these people that just talk like, "Well, you need to get over that," and this, that, and the other thing, and you know, and, and, and God's purpose for you is this, and He wants you to be happy, He wants you to be blessed, He wants you to have victory. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to talk about denying yourself because mm-hmm. when you deny yourself, you don't walk in such a way that makes this prosperity thing look really attractive. Their whole part of that whole prosperity thing is to create these superbly dressed successful people that attract other people mm. to become this way when in reality when you look at Christ and how he lived, he denied himself. And denying yourself it, 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 it's that first step of, of love uh, that we were talking about earlier. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't completely love until you deny yourself. Getting lost in Christ. Yeah, because otherwise, there's always an ulterior motive. It looks like love. What's the motive? But there's always an ulterior motive. Forget yourself. Take up the cross. Follow me. That's what Christ said. Quite a calling, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little Heavy. higher than I thought when I got into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody told you that. <laughs> you, know, you know, I started reading, and the next thing you know, you know. I was just trying to get happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to be happy. Yeah, you know, I had no oh. idea what it was going to take me to when I, you know, first I walked the aisle. <laughs> yeah. More to this, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. Oh, man, this is verse 11. Uh, uh, predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things. Oh, can I say one more thing? Yes. Well, because I can get a glass of tea. Yeah, go ahead. Get your tea. I'll just go ahead and preach for just a couple seconds. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I had talked to one of these prosperity guys one time. He's a, he's a friend of mine in, uh, in Kentucky. And, and, and this is how far this thing goes. Uh, or, or can go when when you've been quote unquote indoctrinated with it. We were talking about, you know, he said, well, Jesus was rich. I said, well, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, he goes, do you, do you know why they they cast lots for his clothing? I'm like, why? He goes, because he had the finest clothing that was available. And I'm like, okay. And I'm listening to this going, just like, wow, this guy actually thinks that 
they cast lots because he had really fine clothes. Armani. He had a good Armani pillow, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. You know, and, and so I mean, but that's how far it can go. No place you know, and so, he, and so this guy thinks that because Jesus was rich, because of how they've twisted the scripture, yet he became, you know, yet he became rich. You know, okay, because he was God. Okay, that that you can be too. Mm-hmm. And you know, wow. and it's it just I was just I didn't know what to say. I can put a call in see if I can get him audited. <laughs> no, he doesn't make any money. In fact, you know, it's just a funny thing. He's poorer than I am, you know. But he thinks it's coming. You know, he thinks it's, it's, it's you know, he, he thinks it is, is. Yeah. Well, how, where do those guys go if they're like poor and they believe in this prosperity stuff and and they stay being poor? Don't they feel pretty bad about themselves? Yeah, if you don't get rich over a certain amount, you know what happens to a lot of people. They eventually leave because yeah. they haven't gotten uh, their their money. They haven't gotten their whatever they were after. I start feeling real bad about myself. God must not love me very much. Yeah. Or they probably keep saying that they they stay in it and say. But that's what I've always asked. You know it. Yeah. Right. It circles back around to them. Yeah. Lack of faith. Yeah. It's just not material possession here. It can be like healings and uh, miraculous things. Signs. Things now. Yeah. And, and wasn't things there a book written like that title? Your Best Life Now. Your Best yeah. Life Now. Do we have that here? <laughs> I don't think so. Don't think so. <laughs> You'll find that one over at Walmart. Actually, you'll find that one <laughs> but you know what? We do have the riches now, but it's yeah. it's a different riches, isn't it? And that doesn't necessarily mean that we can't have the material things, but that's not what our life is about. That's not what we're shooting for. That's not what we're about. Well, and that happiness and the joy is there too, but it's not like getting everything you want. (laughs) All at one time. Yeah. Well, God can, you know, just easily say, was it Lazarus? He's pretty well-to-do or Zacchaeus or uh, you know, other people that have things to give to the kingdom, and one of their gifts can be their giving. You know, I mean, he yeah, and and Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, pretty good point because he was he was rich being a tax collector. You ever wondered what happened to Zacchaeus after that? Yeah. I mean, he went oh, and the paid the people that what that he had owed that he had taken. Did he have anything left? Right. And uh, I don't know. If, it was like it didn't even. He got it. It was like none of that meant anything. Yeah, exactly. There'll be a movie in a couple of years Maybe. called The Zacchaeus Code. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the thirteenth yeah. apostle or something like that. And he hung out with Jesus for the rest of his days. I'm sure they'll come up with that. Well, what about it? Yeah, he was the Judas the treasurer. Judas the treasurer. How that could have been. Uh, I'm sure, that's right. Just to close out this uh, this eleventh verse, it's um, we'll 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 shut it down here. But the word works. I just want to get that in, in that he had a purpose, he had a will, he had this whole divine counsels. But it says he works all things according to the counsel of his will. He does it. The, the word there is a power word. It's energeo, and as soon as I say that, you probably know what the English word is out of that. 
energy, right? Work, power. <laughs> That's really hard, yeah. <laughs> this means God had a plan, and we know in that plan, of course, you have Adam and Eve, and then you have uh, the garden. Then sin comes along. He's working his plan. Along comes the flood. He's still working his plan. He saves a remnant there. Later, you have Abram that is uh, a pagan. God calls him out of that while he's in his pagan surroundings. He turns him into a nation. Then came the patriarchs and the descendants, uh, the, the children of Israel. He works through them. Uh, they become slaves and he delivers them out of Egypt, brings them into Canaan, and uh, they go and uh, sin there. And then he takes them into Babylon and then lets them out. They go back to their land. They go and sin again. God is still working through that by working through his prophets. And then he sends forth at the perfect time his son, which everything has been pointing to that anyway. And as we look back, that's where everything was pointing at. He works His plan through His Son. And if we're not for His working things out, none of us would be Christians. We wouldn't be sitting here and we'd be living our old style life that we once had, just whooping it up and having a great time and being absolutely miserable. He quickened us. He convicted us. He regenerated us. He gave us His Spirit to dwell within us. And He gives us Everything that the Son has. The power of God. He's just working it and working it. He works all things according to the counsel of His will. Everything that He already had planned out, none of it is going to be a surprise to Him because He already worked it out. And so that takes us up to verse 12, and we will stop right there. We did get a verse kind of finished. We, we've talked about the counsel of His will several times, but uh, that's what everything that's where everything starts. Uh, and I think if people would kind of, rather than look at things where they're at now, if they would consider God who has always been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one passage. I'm, I'm not going to read it. I just want... I'm just going to throw it out because um, in Acts 7 where Stephen does his dissertation, basically the historical dissertation before he gets stoned, it's just a great passage to to go to to understand the complete history of everything, pretty much everything that happened. Heavy conviction there. Yeah. yeah. Did they get convicted? <laughs> oh, did they ever? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But your emphasis and your outline of the whole plan is 